Awesome. Thank you, Toby. And again, thank you to Marcia. As Toby said, she read it so well. And I wonder how you felt as the book of Jude was being read out. Uh, it was a pretty intense book. There's so much going on there. I know when I first read it, I was a bit taken back. I wasn't sure what to make of it all. Uh, it's a, actually going to be a pretty serious uh, topic we're going to be looking at today. But I think as we'll see through it, it's actually incredibly helpful in our cultural moment. Um, so we're going to get into it. Uh, over the past uh, years, the words deconstruction and ex-evangelical have been growing amidst Christian circles. Uh, these words kind of pop up on Twitter and get about 100,000 daily hits uh, every day. Uh, and the words are slippery, ex-evangelical, deconstruction. For some people, it may mean completely walking away from their faith. For others, it might just mean having serious reconsideration and doubts about Jesus, about the Bible, and about church. Uh, Lecrae, a famous Christian rapper, just this past week released an album with a song called Deconstruction. And in it, he talks about uh, his deconstruction process from 2015. And he, uh, it started all for him because he spoke out about racial injustice in America. Uh, he saw something going on. He wasn't content with it. He thought, Christians are on about justice. I should speak out about this. And he spoke out about it. And he got a lot of uh, pushback from many of his friends who are leaders in the Christian church there. And with all that pushback, he started to doubt his faith. And he ex expresses his pain and his doubt in his song like this. He says, Cut me deep. I was losing sleep. God, aren't these your sheep? Why they hate me like they do? Maybe grace is really cheap. Maybe this is all a lie. They don't really love me. Can you hear the pain and struggle that Lecrae has gone through? And the reoccurring line throughout the chorus is this. It says, find your way, find your way back home. Lecrae describes a story of deconstruction and doubt. A story which might be familiar for you or for someone you know. For me, one of the hardest conversations I've ever had was with a friend who was deciding to walk away from the faith. I'd met him at university back in New Zealand, and uh, he had come along to my Bible study. He had uh, grown in the faith, been matured, and ended up leading another Bible study. He became a leader of the Christian group that we, I was at. But after all these years, and in my final year in New Zealand, we met to discuss his doubts. We had been, um, yeah, we met to discuss his doubts. He expressed to me that he was no longer sure if he could trust the Bible. He had seen many different Christian interpretations, people claiming this is the way the Bible should be understood, and they constantly conflicted, and he wasn't sure if he could ever be sure what the Bible said. And he had also felt hurt by the church leaders. He had been, felt like he'd been given too much work in leading the Christian group. And he felt like he'd been given no support alongside that. And actually, his leadership in the Christian group, maybe he didn't feel like it was real leadership. It was just that he was given that so that he could do what other people wanted him to do. He felt hurt and frustrated with everything about his Christian faith. And as I was chatting to him, I was left there wondering, how do I care for this brother drifting? And I expect that many of us today might be asking this question, that maybe you know someone who's drifting from the faith, or maybe you yourself here are drifting from the faith. 
And if you don't currently know someone drifting from the faith, can I encourage you that the reality is someday you probably will. And the question you will face when you come into that scenario is how do I care for others drifting? Now, if you're here today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or you're not exploring, or if you're exploring the faith, you probably aren't facing this question. You're probably not wondering about other people's doubts. You're thinking about uh, what does Christianity mean for me? And I'm so glad you're here because at the heart of this whole message and what God wants you to know and that it, is that he loves you. And that's why we don't want anyone to walk away from this love. That's why we're asking this question because we know how much God loves us and we don't want anyone to walk away from this love. And in our letter today, Jude gives us the answer. Jude describes himself as, at the start as a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now Jude here has actually been a little bit coy uh, or maybe a bit honoring. Elsewhere in the Bible we see that James and Jude are described as Jesus' brother. Imagine that, describing yourself as a servant to one of your older siblings. Jude knew that Jesus wasn't just a man, but he knew that he was God. And in his letter, he writes to a similar context to us with people who might be drifting from the truth of Christianity, and he tells us how we should respond. And he has one main point amidst all what's going on in this letter with all the different Old Testament references with Michael and Satan and the body of Moses. So many things different going on. But his one message that he wants us to know is this. He wants us to contend for the faith. Now, this isn't the idea of faith as something we do, like having faith in Jesus. This is the faith. This is the message that Christians believe. We must hold on to the faith. Jude knows it's not easy contending for the faith, but it's how we'll care for others drifting. Because it's the only way any of us are saved is through believing this faith. If you have a Bible or your phone, come and read with me verse 3. See it for yourselves. This isn't just my words, but God's words. And see why Jude has written this letter. Verse 3. Dear friends, Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Did you see it there? Jude didn't want to write this letter that we have here today. He wanted to write another letter about the salvation we share. Jude wanted to rejoice about what God has done for us, what we sing every week about rejoicing what God has done for us. But he writes, he felt compelled to urge and write you to contend for the faith. Jude is saying there is danger here and we must be alert to it. And we see the danger in verse 4. He says, There are people who are perverting the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ. These people look like Christians. They sound like Christians. They can even speak about the grace of God. They know that God's grace forgives us for every sinful thing we've ever done, for every wrong thing we've ever done. And they know that God's grace and his forgiveness isn't something you can work for. 
you don't get grace through doing good things or coming to church, but it's a gift. It's freely given to anyone who would put their trust in Jesus. That is, whoever you are today, God would forgive you and call you his child today if you put your trust in Jesus. How good is this grace? This is the grace that Jude wanted to write about. But the problem is some people hear about this gift and they start thinking, well, because God will forgive me for everything I do, it, it doesn't really matter what I do. And so with that, they stop caring about how they live. They stop speaking the truth. They're harsh with their flatmates or spouse or kids. And when they wake up after having a boozy night out, they think it's all good. And if they do start to feel a little convicted or someone raises a concern with them, they think, stop being such a legalist. We're under grace. It doesn't matter what you do. Brothers and sisters, this is a distortion of God's grace. Because God's grace isn't an excuse for continuing an ongoing sin. Rather, it's meant to be a comfort for those who are struggling against sin. It's a comfort that God loves them and has saved them even as they struggle with the sin in their life. And so Jude is worried that these people will cause other Christians to drift from the faith. And that maybe his listeners who are reading this are already drifting from the faith. And therefore Jude writes to his hearers, urging them to contend for the faith. He wants them to know that this faith doesn't change. Did you notice how he described the faith in verse 3? He said it was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. That is, the faith is complete. Our beliefs don't change to suit the world. We believe that sin is real, that Jesus has died for our sin, that he's currently in heaven, and that one day he'll come to remove sin and all of its effects from this world. And that Christians, when Jesus will return, will live forever experiencing the life, love, and freedom that God always intended for us. This is our faith, and this is the message that our friends who are drifting from the faith need to be reminded about. And so if you're a Christian here today, you need to contend for the faith. You need to remind yourself and your friends who are drifting what we believe. We need to remind one another here at Vine Church about God's grace, that he has freely saved us, and that our past sin no longer defines us and that we are children of God. But remember that God's grace doesn't excuse ongoing sin, that when we see sin in our lives, we must get rid of it. When we see anger, greed, or improper lust, we must turn away from it. This is the faith we believe, a message rich with God's grace, which leads us to good lives. This is the message that our friends who are drifting need to hear. This is good news for us and them. And we must speak this message against any type of false description of the faith. Uh, Guy Mason, some of you may know, uh, pastor of City on a Hill in Melbourne, illustrated what it looked like to contend for the faith under intense circumstances as he was interviewed by Koshi on Seven Sunrise. Koshi interviewed Guy and barraged him with questions about his faith. He constantly pushed Guy to either distort the faith or demonize the faith. Guy was in a tricky situation on, on live TV and under constant battering, Guy contended for the faith. He said this, The Christian view is one of life, 
And it's one of love. That's what we stand for. That's what we want to proclaim, that Jesus is all about life and he's all about love. Guy refused to distort the faith. He refused to distort it by denying biblical truths, but he wouldn't have the faith demonized either and caricatured by something else than what it really is, that it is God's love for us. And so like Guy, we need to contend for the faith. Contending for the faith will be hard. It will involve awkward conversations. It will be tiring. But conceding the faith would be far worse. And that brings us to our next point. What if we don't contend for the faith? Why does it matter? Do our friends who are drifting from the faith really need to know the Christian message? Well, verses 5 to 6 give us graphic pictures of judgment and describe what will happen if we don't contend for the faith. In verses 5 to 7, Jude reminds his readers of three different groups who face God's judgment. Some of these groups were God's people at one time. Others were always foreigners to God. But now all of them are distant from God. These people, they had sex with whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted. They ate and drank with excess without care for anyone else around them. And Jude has a cruel, uh, cruel judgment or the reality of their judgment very plainly in verse 7. He says, These serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Jude wants us to know that it doesn't matter today whether you call yourself a Christian or not. If you distort the grace of God, then you're in danger of judgment. Jude doesn't want that for us. That's why he's writing this message. He wants us to contend for the faith, to know God's love. But he reminds us of eternal realities, that heaven and hell are at stake if we don't contend for the faith. But not only will people who pervert God's grace face judgment, but they'll lead other people astray. They'll tell other people that ongoing sin doesn't really matter because God is gracious. And there'll be examples and encourage others to pervert God's grace. In verse 11, Jude gives us another three examples of people who were like this. Cain, Balaam, and Korah. Cain is the first murderer in the Bible in Genesis 4 and is seen as like a type of leader of sin throughout the Bible. Balaam, another man, tries to give false prophecy for money and tempts thousands of Israelites into sin. And Korah led a rebellion against God and Moses such that his followers face judgment. And if we allow people to pervert God's grace, then other people will be led astray. And they too will pervert God's grace. Brothers and sisters, if we don't contend for the faith, then we or ourselves might face judgment. But this isn't something that we want. We don't want people to face judgment. We want people to know the grace of God. We want people to know the salvation that Jude was so eager to write about. Brothers and sisters, when we contend for the faith, we need a clear purpose. We are fighting for people's salvation. Uh, over the summer of 2019 and 2020, many firefighters suited up and drove towards the fires burning throughout New South Wales. Greg Mullins was one of those firefighters there. You can see him on the right. Uh, there he is uh, amidst the flames trying to put out a burning power pole. 
He describes how he was out at midnight fighting 50-meter-high flames and how at points his visor on his mask would go black so he couldn't see, and some of his shifts lasted 16 hours, and he didn't know whether he had come out alive. He said this, Fires were just relentless. It was Groundhog Day every day for months. What would keep firefighters like Mullins continuing to go out there every day with so much danger and exhaustion? It's purpose, isn't it? A clear purpose. They were going out there to save people, their friends, their families, their cities. We need a clear purpose, Vine Church, as we contend for the faith. We need to see the spiritual danger people are in. If we believe Jude's words, then there is an eternal fire for those who are without Jesus. And we need to care enough for those people who are drifting from the faith to contend for it, because that's the faith which extinguishes these flames. But you might be asking, well, how do we contend? How do we care for others? How do we contend for the faith? Jude gives us five things to do, and he, this is the summary of his letter at the end, and he says this in verse 17. So come along there. We're going to move through these five quickly. Verse 17. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers who follow their ungodly desires. Firstly, as we contend for the faith, we need to remember there will be scoffers. When Andrew Thorburn chose the Bible over leading Essendon Football Club, the world didn't celebrate him. They scoffed at him. We need to remember there will be scoffers. Let's continue verse 20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Secondly, we must keep ourselves in God's love. This will involve work. This will involve turning away from sin. This will involve finding time to pray and read your Bible to remind yourself of the truth of the gospel, even with your busy schedules. But don't misunderstand me. God's love isn't fickle, something that you fall in and out of. It's strong and available to all people. He will keep us, but we do need to respond to God's love. Thirdly, verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt. Doubt isn't unusual in the Christian life. The Christian life isn't one of uh, complete security and assurance in your mind, but doubt often creeps in, and that is usual. Sometimes doubt is large and takes time to process, and other times it's brief and passing. And whenever someone tells you that they're having doubts about their faith, stop what you're doing and listen to them. You don't need to answer every doubt they express. You need to listen and be patient. We need to cry with them and laugh with them. And when appropriate, we need to remind them of God's love shown through Jesus. Fourthly, verse 23, save others by snatching them from the fire. There's nothing more important than people hearing God's love for them. And we have lots of opportunities coming up so that we can express God's love to them. 
We have opportunities like the Christmas festival that Lauren talked about and the Christmas services. These are places where people can come and get to know Christians and get to hear something of the Christian message or just become comfortable to come to a church. Here at these Christmas festivals and services, we have opportunities to show people and to tell people about God's love. Come along, invite others, offer to help. Fifthly, let's continue in verse 23. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Fifthly, we must show mercy and fear to those who are walking away from the faith. As my university friend shared his doubts with me, I needed to be gracious to him. But I also needed to fear his situation, that there was a real danger going on. I needed to pray for him. And finally, there's one more. Now, I know I said there was only five things for us to do here. That's how we will contend for the faith. But this last one is different. This last one is special because it's not something that you'll do, but it's something that you'll be encouraged by. And that's what Jude wants us to hear. Finally, God will keep you contending for the faith. This last one is beautiful, and it's how Jude has opened his letter, and it's how he's closed it. In verse 1, he writes that we have been kept for Jesus Christ. This isn't something that we do. This is something that God has done and will continue to do. And after all this list of things to do, Jude wants to remind us in verse 24 that it is God who keeps us. God's power guarantees that we will contend for the faith. But that doesn't remove our responsibility to contend for the faith. It's confusing, isn't it? What is it? Do we need to contend for the faith or will God keep us contending for the faith? Often Christians, we can get confused by this such that we either do nothing because we think God will contend, keep us contending or we become so anxious as we're contending for the faith. But the truth is that these two truths aren't a puzzle for us to solve but an assurance for us as we contend for the faith. When a commander tells his army that tomorrow we will win the war, it doesn't mean that the army throws away its swords and just sits in camp the next day celebrating and partying. The next day the army gets up, they put their suit of armor on, and they take their weapons with great joy and with great confidence. They fight their battle knowing that they have already won. But our battle, Vine Church, isn't against people. It is for people. We are fighting for people, and Jude has told us how to fight this battle. He said that we must remember that there will be scoffers, that we must keep ourselves in God's love. We must be merciful to those who doubt and save others by snatching them from the fire. And lastly, we must show fear and mercy to those who are walking away from the faith. This is how we will contend for the faith, Vine Church. This is how we will love those who are drifting from the faith. We do this working hard, but with great joy and confidence, because we know that God will keep his people. And so as I reflect on my conversation with my friend who is drifting from the faith back there in New Zealand, and I was left in that conversation wondering, how do I care for this brother drifting? I needed to contend for the faith. This would be tiring, be awkward, it would be hard. 
Sometimes my words might not be appreciated. Sometimes I would mince my words and say something unhelpful. It might just be easier to change the faith a little. But to do this would destroy the faith that is saving us. Remember that this faith is what saves me and him, will give us purpose to endure tiredness, awkwardness, and hardship. To do this would involve me listening well to him, taking time to hear his doubts. But it would also involve me continuing to hold fast that Jesus is Lord, that he's died for our sins, and that he's coming back again. I can't avoid these truths, and neither can we, Vine Church, and nor should we. Because these are the truths that tell us God's great love for us, that he has come to save us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you, that our joy, we thank you for the joy that our eternity is secured with you, that one day we will walk down the golden streets of heaven, enjoying the life, love, and freedom you always intended for us. Help us to contend for the faith that secures this future. Help us to contend when we are tired and feel that changing the faith would be easier. Thank you that you will keep us, that we can contend for the faith with joy because you will keep us. In Jesus' name, amen.